Tell me about your first experience being invited to a convention. My very first experience being invited to a convention was a year after my first anime convention to go to as a fan, which was Akon in Dallas. And that was 2001. And this was right after, I don't remember if it aired on Cartoon Network yet or not, but uh, we were, Funimation was pushing Dragon Ball Z, which at the time was, was huge. And uh, I was doing a signing with Chris Sabat and uh, some of the other cast members. And uh, that, was, that was pretty wild because not only was I a part of a show that I was a fan of from years previous, I was getting to uh, attend the con as industry, as opposed to, you know, the year before I, I had gone to Acon and I talked to Tiffany Grant and Brett Weaver from ADV. And, uh, you know, it's like, I want to do what you guys are doing. And the next year, suddenly, I was doing what they were doing. And then there I was at, at, at con. And, yeah, it was just wild to see the people line up and they wanted the autographs and all that. It's like, I keep pinching myself to this day, honestly. Um, that I get to do something I've always wanted to do since childhood, and to see the cosplayers, you know, dressed up as great Saiyan and and even just just anything, and then of course to see the first male sail uh, Sailor Moon Scout, you know, it's like ah, oh, <laughs> you get your first eyeful of uh, the uh, eccentricities of the fandom, let's say, but yeah, it was it was wild, it was amazing, and it just made me immediately fall in love with the, the awesome community of fans and the conventions and everything. And I've been huge, uh, huge on getting to come to these conventions ever since then. How does it feel to have people cosplay as the characters that you voice? It's always really trippy to look around and see a great Sandman or an Aizen or a Kiba. I, I, I guess most of the characters I see are like Kiba from Naruto. And uh, a lot of little kids, even babies, and I'll see that. It's like, remember Kiba Baby from Animazement? It's like, oh, yeah. And then I'll see them years following as they get older and older, and then suddenly they're walking, and then suddenly they're like, and they're like, oh, the Kiba, this is the cosplay. It, it's so touching. It's so amazing. I really love the dedication and the passion of the fans to, to do that, and again, to embrace the community the way that they do, they can come out and not be judged by their peers or anything. They come to a hotel, and yeah, maybe the hotel staff or the security, you know, the, the, the cops may kind of, you know, snicker and this, that, and the other, but I mean, they're surrounded by so many people with all a common interest that, you know, it, it's great. We can, we can come out of our social awkwardness and, and everything, and people that spend so much time and effort and money in, in crafting these awesome costumes, which you know go on to win awards, and then you see online and, and everything. So yeah, it, it's truly flattering, and I love to see the fans just embrace the anime uh, art form like that. Um, since you're, you're a fan favorite, you have your own show on YouTube, you have the Big Ball Podcast, when you, and you come to so many conventions and the fans are just gracious to you that they appreciate that you're there to come and support, like they come to support you. Is there always, uh, is there like ever one time where a fan was a little overzealous or a little bit, you know, uh, let me put a restraining order, like maybe back up a couple of feet, you know, then we'll... We'll talk it a little bit. Is that ever a time that has happened? Sometimes, not not enough to turn me off to coming to these. Not not enough to, to say, you know what, I, I need to pull back. You know, I, 
obviously in the day and age of the internet and social media, you have to be a little more aware of privacy issues and whatnot and how much you put out there of yourself. And I'm always aware because I'm, I, I've been probably the most interactive voice actor out there that has just embraced the fans. Because I love technology too. I love instant messenger and video chat and webcams and, and YouTube and, and, and doing video chats like on Stickham and just sitting there chilling, just reacting to the chat room and, and answering Q&A just randomly in the middle of the night, in the, in the middle of the week, and it'll blurb on Facebook and Twitter. It's like, Kyle TV is on the air. It's like, come join the chat. I just, I just love that stuff. And, and yeah, there, I mean, there's some people that maybe want to wanna, wanna hug a little too long, <laughs> shake the hand a little too long. Maybe they smell a little funny because they've been wearing the costume for too long. <laughs> they forgot to bathe. And they, mm, yeah. Uh, I know of other actors, especially some of the poor female actresses who are, you know, very easy on the eye that suddenly get, you know, some unwanted attention. Some, I've heard of, of people camping outside hotel rooms. That would be a little crossing the line there, you know. Um, but I have, uh, knock on wood, had, had a lot of really positive experiences that far outweigh any awkwardness or, or anything. Uh, you've started doing uh, a radio show at the conventions, reading off an old radio play. Now, how did that idea come about? The idea for anime radio uh, was actually the genesis of two different sources. I would see cartoon voice actors at San Diego Comic-Con performing old-time radio scripts. And then at Acon, my good friend Amy Fraga used to do uh, a cold read script and we have all the voice actors come together and do that, and, and I kind of fuse the idea together. It's like, all right, um, we're going to take an old-time radio script, and we're going to get all the anime voice actors that are a guest at that convention that want to do it, obviously, and then throw them into the mix and just let them improvise or stick to the script. And then the panel's kind of evolved. I've been uh, uh, occasionally, I've, I've had people from the audience or other fellow guests you know, be the sound effects guy, be the Foley artist. And then now, uh, for example, later today, I'll be firing off sound effects that were pre-gathered off a CD and play them off the laptop to add that element of fun to it. And it's always been probably the most popular kind of panel I've done because the actors are always gushing at the end. It's like, that was so much fun, you know, we never get to do this. And it's true because in anime and in video games, you know, you're confined by this little vacuum. You're in the booth and everything. Here we are all together and we're all on the same page. Everyone is like, okay, I, I've never seen this before. I'm just going to roll with the punches. And it, and the fans love it. And I love that people are in the audience videotaping and sticking on YouTube because each performance is unique. I'm taking a script of The Shadow this year to conventions. Last year I think we did Flash Gordon. Um, and I've tried some different ones at different, one, uh, different cons. And The Shadow is just probably one of the more popular of the old-time radio shows. I'm, I'm having fun casting different actors and, and sometimes getting audience members in on the fun, too. What was your most fond convention memory? Most fond convention memory was probably back in the fall of 2002. I got to be a guest in Sydney, Australia and Wellington, New Zealand. And those guys down there usually have back-to-back -back weekend conventions, so they share guests. So I first flew to Sydney, Australia, which 
of course, it's a dream come true. I've always wanted to travel the world. I never could afford it on my own dime, and the conventions, you know, fly the guest out. So I got a free trip to Australia, and it's awesome, you know, seeing the, the Sydney Opera House, and this is a clean, beautiful city, and I love the accents, and I love the food, and the architecture, and the culture, and, and, and then the following weekend, getting to go to Wellington, New Zealand, and as a geek, uh, getting to tour Weta Workshop and see uh, Richard Taylor, who won the Academy Award for Best Special Effects in Lord of the Rings, actually lead all the guests on a private tour of Weta Workshops. And we're holding the actual swords they used in the filming. We see all the orc costumes on the wall. We see the CG artists working on the two towers at the time, which was only coming out like three months later. So we weren't allowed to photograph anything. We got to take one picture with the with the sworn you know death under penalty or you know whatever that we've never posted. But we all posed together by the two statues from the first film. You know it's like mm, the, the big monolithic statue. It's called a bigature because it actually was like six feet. It was huge. It was a, not a, really a miniature so much, but just to be there at at Weta Workshop and all that. I was the only guest who actually. I knew in advance the tour was coming, so when I packed, I brought my uh, Fellowship of the Ring uh, box to get signed by Richard Taylor. And he said, I'm sorry, Peter Jackson would have uh, led the tour, but he's kind of busy right now. It's like, oh, that's okay, though. that's okay, I know who you are, you're Richard Taylor, you're amazing. So, yeah, that was probably still, I mean, I, well, out, of, out of everything, it's like, wow, I've gotten to travel the world and, and go see some iconic cities and, and things from the world of fandom. I'm extremely jealous you got to go to Australia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Sydney's so gorgeous. Oh my god. Um, is there, um, as, you look, as you look back on your career now, is there any um, character or any voice that you did that you wish with what you know now that you wish you could redo? I think upon reflection I, I would definitely love to go back and re-record the first Gohan stuff on Dragon Ball Z because I was rusty, I was, I was the new guy and, and everything. And I think it's true of anything. When you start a role, it's not going to be as polished as it becomes over time. You know, I think any actor working on any project will kind of relate to that, saying, you know what, even if they're method actors and they live and breathe the character 24-7 and all that, after you spent time with the character and the story and everything, you're going to just be able to almost just do it on autopilot at a certain point. And uh, it's just a lot easier to let it just flow that way. So, um, yeah, I, I wish we would have had a, a slower recording schedule on Gurren Lagann. I ended up winning an award, an SPGA award, uh, the guys who throw Anime Expo. I got the best dub performance for Kamina. Which felt really good because I was so depressed when it aired on Sci-Fi and all the hardcore otaku said, "Oh, Kamina's terrible. His dub voice is awful. He's not manly enough, and this, that, and the other." And it's like, I just did my job, guys. Uh, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship. The actor works with the director, and it's like, this is the voice we want you to use, and this is the performance we want. And you know, it's not my call. He's like, "Why'd you change the voice?" It's like, I did what I was asked to do. It's like, Kamina's seventeen. We're gonna make him sound seventeen. Uh, we had a representative from Aniplex there saying, um, we specifically don't want you to mimic the Japanese performance. It's like, okay. And at Expo, actually, in a couple weeks, I'm going to be meeting the uh, voice actor for Kamina. And I'm pretty excited about that, because that's, that's rare. I've, I've met a few actors from Dragon Ball Z, like Frieza and, and uh, Trunks, but 
never the same character that I've gotten to do in English. So pretty excited about that. Uh, now you've been to a lot of conventions over the years. Um, is there anything that you've, you see done at what, any particular convention that you wish more conventions would do? Hmm. There, there's some pretty tightly run ships uh, out there across the country. Uh, some of my favorite conventions that I just think are, are really on top of their game. Of course, I'm here at one of them, Anime Next. Um, uh, another really standout experience for me has been with Anime Detour in Minneapolis, where I've been a guest every year. They've existed since 2004, and uh, K in Denver, Nandescon, uh, has always been just pristine. Um, I, I get to come to these things, regardless of the size, and get treated like a rock star. It's pretty awesome. I mean, it's not like I have an ego or anything. I'm very humble, and I, I pride myself on being humble. But, you know, I, I get to come here and escape the harsh realities of how am I going to make rent this month? How am I going to pay, you know, because voice acting, you're not going to get rich doing it. Unless you've been doing it 20, 30 years and you're super established and everything. I've only been doing anime and video game stuff for 10 years. That's a long time too, but it's like, wow, I've never been broker. But and then I can come escape the harsh reality for a weekend and see, you know, people of all ages and mostly younger people that come to the cons and they're saying, oh, it's so great to meet you. I, I grew up on Dragon Ball Z or I, I'm a huge Naruto or Bleach fan. And, or it's like, and I've had some really, truly touching moments too, where it's like, uh, you know, I, I, I had to go over to Iraq and, you know, do time there and, or, or, or terminal patients and other people talking about how their lives were touched by the shows that I got to be on. And it's like, man, this, this is such a cool thing. Um, but uh, cons doing the, not to get too <laughs> off the subject, but yeah, uh, things that, I don't know, I, I think it was really clever in the opening ceremonies of Anime Next this year that they kind of made it an award ceremony. It's like, best so-and-so by such-and-such. -such. That, that was really cool. I like it when opening ceremonies aren't just the usual, hi, welcome, here's the guest, have fun. It's like, well, anyone can do that. And I, I really like what Anime Next did this year. It was really clever. Um, what was your favorite character to voice in life? You know, roles to an actor are like kids to a parent. You know, like, how do you choose a favorite? Because they all, you invest yourself in your work and, you know, they all mean a little something to you the most. You know, uh, Gohan was my first big junky role in Dragon Ball Z and that, that connection to that show is obviously what spiraled into everything else and I have that show to thank. I have Funimation. Chris Savitt and, and, and all those guys to thank for giving me my big break, something I've literally wanted since childhood to do voices for animation. Um, I can never narrow it down to just one though, you know, so I love getting to voice Kiba on Naruto because, you know, he's wild, he's feral, and he's loyal, and he's, he's cocky, he's like something that I'm totally not, and getting to play polar opposites, Aizen on Bleach. It's getting to use my lower register and I can just talk silky smooth like this. It's totally opposite from Kiba, he's up here! And then, you know, the narrator in Dragon Ball Z, that seems to be the most iconic thing that people always want me to go around quoting, NEXT TIME ON DRAGON BALL Z! I mean, you know, how many times have I had a cell phone thrust in my face saying, will you do my voicemail? Johnny's not available right now, he's training to be a Super Saiyan! You know, I, I 
love doing that. Um, and then Kamina, he, he's just epic. He's madly, he's epic. And Gurren Lagann is such a great show. Even if I didn't get to work on it, I would fall in love with that show and that role. It's just too cool for school. And then lastly, Ryu on Street Fighter, because I can go up to people who may not necessarily know anime, but they know video games, and everyone knows what Street Fighter is. And they're like, what? You're, what? No way! And it's like, yeah, I did the same thing. Whenever I went even to audition, I was like, no way. Am I, really? I'm trying out for this guy? And then I land the role, and like, whoa! So, yeah, pretty awesome. Alright, um, if given the chance, which character would you cosplay and why? Hmm. I would want to cosplay as one of my characters, and unfortunately I don't look like any of them, but I, I could, with the helmet, do an Ox King, I think. So if I could find someone who could make me an Ox King helmet, I, I would rock that look, I think. <laughs> I'd be like Ox King if he went on a diet a little bit, because he's, he's larger than me. But I did the voice, so it'd be, it's like Macho Man Randy Savage, the wrestler, on steroids and slightly dumber. Like, oh, Gigi's getting married, oh boy. So I'd go around not only cosplaying him, I'd go around voicing him as well. And uh, people say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, maybe I should cosplay as the narrator. No one knows what he looks like. I'll just be me. Why not? Uh now, you had mentioned Iraq. What, what did you go there for? Oh, I didn't go to Iraq. Oh, I mean, okay. I heard from fans who uh, joined the military. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, they, they've, they've done that with other actors as well. I've heard from Mary McGlynn, who directs me on Naruto. She said she's heard from soldiers who would put a poster up in their tent of uh, Major Kusanagi, and they said, Ghost in the Shell, I love that show so much, it helps me get through you know, the awful conditions over here. And it's like, that's intense. That's, that's really something cool. We'll just put you in the situation that you're a con chair for a pretty big-time convention. Who would you invite as your special guests and why? Hmm. Who would I invite? Well, I'll tell you, um, a guest that I'm, I, I know is huge with fans that I've always looked up to, I call him the, the Mel Blanc of Canada, <laughs> is Scott McNeil. Um, because he's, he, he's so giving and, and, and loves the fans and everything, and he's just an amazing talent. He's got thousands of voices in him, and you know, I used to go around the house imitating his version of Piccolo, and then, yeah, he's just such an amazing guy. And again, Mel Blanc, which, you know, you can't touch the originator of Looney Tunes and all that, but, I mean, he, he's, he's pretty much up there. I would I would bring Scott McNeil out. Although his agent, he's often said this when we've when been at cons together. He'll say, you know, I said Scott, you know, you're so popular. Why don't you do more cons? It's like because my agent wants to kill me. It's like quit going to these things. You're losing work. It's like you have to leave town on a Thursday or Friday, and then you miss you miss money. And those agents don't like losing out on money. So <laughs> we don't see Scott Scott as much anymore, sadly. But I, I would. Uh, I would make sure that we could get Scott McNeil to a con if, if I were in charge of something. Is there anywhere that you'd like to go for a convention where you haven't been yet? So. I would love to go to Japan, although I don't think there's much of a market for English dubs in Japan. Uh, I did recently get to go to London, England, though, and uh, 
I never would have saw that coming, honestly. Uh, but I have Yuri Lowenthal to thank. I would love to go back to England. And luckily, I made a good impression on the British fans there in the convention chair. was like, you are welcome to come back. We'll just like skip a year because we like to cycle guests and everything. But you're welcome in the future. And I said, I will definitely take you up on that. I want to go back to England. I want to go back to Sydney, Australia. I want to go back to Wellington, New Zealand. Where else would I go? I'm, I'm excited about this. I think I'll be on the roster for a con in Dublin, Ireland next year. And I'm really excited about that. <laughs> So any chance to leave the country and, and see a new place, I'm all about that. What uh, series or game or um, movie served as your inspiration to want to become a voice actor? My biggest inspiration to get into voice acting was Looney Tunes, basically. And Bugs Bunny is my favorite animated character of all time. Uh, and Mel Blanc voiced Bugs Bunny, as well as all the Looney Tunes characters. And being about eight or nine years old, my dad said, you know, one guy voices all these characters. I said, no way, that's awesome. I want to do that. And that's exactly kind of what happened. I kind of chased my dream eventually. I got into radio because I wanted to be a DJ. And then from DJ, I kind of crossed over into the world of voiceover. But it all really started with just being, you know, and what kid doesn't like cartoons? But... Uh, Looney Tunes had an impact on my life. That and Three Stooges, honestly. But uh, watching Three Stooges didn't make me want to like do voiceover. It just made me laugh. I just thought, this is genius. I love the sound effects and everything. Um, but yeah, Bugs Bunny, all that stuff is what make me, uh, made me want this really, really badly. Um, what advice do you have for young people that want to get into voice acting? Voice acting is something that is so creatively rewarding, uh, that, but, but it does take a thick skin, it, it takes time, it, you can't really just get into it quick, easily, or, or cheap, for that matter, because oftentimes people have to move where the work is. You know, I lived in Texas all my life, and I knew that if I wanted to voice in cartoons and video games, I'd have to move to L.A., which I did, and now I'm getting to do that. It's been a long, hard road, though. I mean, it... it there's the, there's the big luck factor. You could you could train, 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 and, and have a perfect demo and everything and not get anywhere. And, you know, what is going to be that factor? Well, it is who you know, but if someone opens a door of opportunity for you and you're not prepared for it, then that door may shut and your opportunities are super limited. Then what are you going to do? If you have this one opportunity to try out for a big show or a big game, and you go in there and you blow it because you weren't ready as an actor. Take the craft seriously. Uh, get involved. Wherever you live, you can always take steps. There's always theater. There's always a workshop. There's always something. In a lot of the major cities, there's, there's voiceover specific workshops, which if that is your focus, that's your goal, get involved. And start networking. Use social media. Use Facebook and Twitter to start networking with people in the industry and get their take on things. And eventually, maybe, once your demo is done, uh, maybe they'll feel good about, enough about it to pass it along and say, hey, well, this is good. You know, if you move out here, I'll be happy to pass this along and you know, maybe you'll get an audition. And it's kind of a domino effect. So perseverance, patience, thick skin. You're going to try out for things and never get cast and you're going to take it personally. You can't take it personally. It's, you have to know that it's never a personal thing. The director has something in mind and you're either what they have or you're not doesn't mean that you suck.
you may have made a great impression on the director in your audition. They just thought that, you know what, he or she is just not right for this role. But you know what, I liked him so much, I'm going to call him the next time I have a project. And then suddenly, you get a call six months later and you're trying out for something out of the blue. It's like, what, what, oh, 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 sweet, cool. So, yeah. Um, it doesn't work out for everyone, of course, because every path is unique, but this is something I've wanted uh, and I've chased after and I put up with the, the downside. You know, it's not a consistent work and most of the things you try it for, you're not going to get cast as. You need a plan B. You need another source of income to really live on. At the moment, I have none. Ooh, talk about risky. Um, yeah, so, but, but. Never give up, never surrender. You want it, stick to it. That's, that's, that's the main thrust. Where can people find out more about Mr. Kyle Hebert? Ah, I have an official website. Yay, kylehebert.com. And a lot of people mispronounce my name or misspell it. Kyle, H-E-B-E-R-T, kylehebert.com. And you can uh, find out my latest projects, uh, my convention appearance schedule, and uh, what I've started doing this past year is I actually do voice acting critique private sessions uh, over Skype. So no matter where you are in the world, I can evaluate your, your voice acting skills. It's aimed at beginner level. So people who are interested and I said, you know what, my friends and family say I can do you know, voice acting. I want to get a professional opinion. And it's saying, well, okay, I haven't come from the stage or anything, but I have been working in the industry for 10 years and I can share my experience and what I've learned about uh, how auditions work, what directors are looking for, what sort of etiquette you need, um, and and kind of, kind of just the, the basic foundations. I'm, I'm not a shortcut into the industry or anything like that. I always tell everyone who takes my little private sessions, it's like, all right, you're going to have to go and really sink yourself deep into the muck of, of, of training and get in there with different teachers, different perspectives, improv, character development, commercial, character, all of this stuff, and uh, stay dedicated to it. But if you want just, you know, it's like, is voice acting for me? Is this something I really want to kind of dedicate it to? It's like, well, I've got script samples of anime. I've got some commercial samples. I'll throw them at you. You read it. You perform it. I critique it. And I'll tell you what you need to work on, what your strengths are. And we'll just go from there. So I have information and testimonials from, from people who have taken my private sessions. And uh, that's all on KyleAbear.com.